This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Real Kipper and Born. October 11th, 2021. On this Monday, happy Thanksgiving. For those of you listening on our podcast outside of Canada, this is our day to be thankful. No question about that. Right, Sammy? Right, Justin? Giving. How how was yours? It was good. We good. we uh we did dinner yesterday. You always have that I, Sunday Monday option, right? I feel like that's you know we got the Monday Thanksgiving and everyone does it Sunday. Everyone just wants a day to be completely lazy. It's the way it should be. So much on the table right now. Coming off uh, the weekend, do we do should should we go around the room right now for a quick? What are we thankful for, Sammy? You're the producer. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts, and I'm going to throw a little twist on this. Before we get into no Matthews to start the season, McKayev out with a broken thumb. We're going to get into all of that. I just want to hear what you two are thankful for today. And the only twist I ask you is that you don't mention family and friends. They're out. I don't want any of that family and friends in that warm kind of feeling to start the show you know what i want what i want to know is what you're thankful for and give me the most shallow superficial materialistic <laughs> possession that you are thankful for on this canadian thanksgiving who wants well, to go first oh uh, man i guess i feel obligated to take it you know what i'm, I'm thankful that the leafs don't suck like imagine doing this show but it's the sabers Imagine doing, you know, like every single day of your life, you're like, hey, you're three of the Red Wings rebuild, like just a couple more and we got a playoff team. Like it's hard enough to talk about a hockey team with superstars who, you know, high drama. I just, I'm just really grateful that, that Sammy, they don't suck. Is he, is he, is he correct that they, they, they won't <laughs> suck this year? Are you a hundred percent sure on that? <laughs> no. Oh God, no, don't do that. Sure. Not sure. Uh, I don't want to look at that lineup right now without Matthews. It looks a little thin, but I got to get to what I'm thankful for. I'm extremely thankful for that. My birthday this past weekend, I got a brand new pair of skates. I got a brand oh. new pair of shiny skates. Wow. I don't play hockey till Sunday. They're just going to sit there looking at me every day, but I Micron cannot wait to strap them what? on. Pardon? Really? Microns? What do you get? Uh, I got some graphs. I'm a graph guy. I had graphs before and I got a new pair of graphs, so. Pretty materialistic, man. Oh yeah, I knew you wanted materialistic, so I gave it to you, Kip. Your 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 phone, you know, cacked out on you on the weekend, did it not? I thought you were gonna go with the with the. I need. I'm thankful for a new phone coming. Um, I'm not thankful for the 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 Rogers employee I dealt with on Sunday. I'll I won't name him, but uh, boy, oh boy, that guy was not doing so hot there uh, in the town I was in for the weekend. But I am thankful. Wonderful. I've got an unbelievable working phone now that's just, I can text whoever I want. I can book the biggest guests. And, you know, I got two of the biggest today, Stewie and Gord Stalick, two of the biggest guys you could talk to on the Leafs. So, you know, the old phone's working good. The one I dug out of the closet, that's finally working good, fellas. Well, uh, you? Oh, me? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm going earbuds. 
Okay. Oh, I, I love it. I love earbuds. it. How specific. I am so thankful for earbuds. I don't even I don't even want to know the a world today where I would have to hold up my phone to my ear. I know. I know. So let me just say, I've had this war with J.D. Bunkus on the station. I almost bought him a pair because he was being stubborn and he was still tethered to the cords. Sammy, I think you're still a corded headphone guy. Uh, Not I am. I have a pair of AirPods and they don't like they don't. I think they're defective. Like I can barely hear okay. anything out of them, so I went to the corded ones, which were great. So right. I, I, I think the Bad experience. Mine are I think defective, so I've gone to the uh, corded ones. So, eh, you know, if there's any Apple people out there listening, you could just send a couple my way. You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to pair wear them for my uh, thousands of lovely followers. I would just be thrilled. But no, I, uh, I'm the corded guy. I don't care. I don't really care if I'm connected. But I think that uh, Kipper's thrilled to have his AirPods. I can tell. Yeah. There it, you go. It. What, what are the Leafs thankful for? That training camp's over and, and no one else can, can get hurt and McKayev is out uh, with a broken thumb maybe a good two months here and you would have definitely started a conversation there. But then we got uh, word just recently that Austin Matthews will not be available to start the season, which really, guys, comes at a, a huge surprise because... Every, all indications were that if he was not going to squeeze in that last exhibition game, that this guy was good to go Wednesday night against the Montreal Canadiens. That's not the case. I'm I'm really surprised because that was that's what we were led to believe, guys. That everything was fine. He was getting his reps in in practice. He was getting the looks. How do you go from? possibly being ready for the opening game to I'm out the first three. You know what? I wonder like they, it's not like, it's not like he wasn't using a Kipper. Like they, I saw a video of him working on face-offs there. I think the Leafs themselves put a face-off video out there. He was taking draws against Kerfoot. Like you don't take face-offs till it's ready. So I hate to say this, but like, did he tweak something? Did, you know, is something get aggravated in there along the way? Because it certainly felt like that'd be the last thing you would do when you felt like it was ready to test it is take some draws. And I, I appreciate them erring on the side of caution here. Make sure it's good before you go. There's no sense forcing it in a long season. But boy, it does feel like the timeline uh, took a little bump here in a concerning way. You, you got to wonder what type of setback. There, there's no other word to use, Sam. And I'll come to you because the feeling has to be amongst the Leaf fans now is can, why three? Like, how do you go from, from almost thinking that he's ready to, uh, we need another week, week and a half here. This is just not a, that's not a day to day thing. When you announce it, you're, you're unavailable for the first three games. Well, the, the text that I'm starting to get from people in my life that like the Toronto Maple Leafs is, you know, the thing that comes to mind immediately if he had of you know got this surgery on his wrist one week earlier, two week earlier, when it happened, when it, they announced that he was gonna get their surgery, it felt late in the off season, right? And they're saying that it was because he was on the ice. It's the first time he got back on the ice, and that's the first time he was actually feeling it flare up or whatever. But you know, it's hard not to live in the world where boy, oh boy, you wish he had gone under the knife even a week earlier. Maybe he's ready for the regular season. I know it's hard to live in that world, but. Even when it was announced that he got the surgery, it felt really late in the off season. Am I off base there? So I don't, I don't hate them. Kipper, what do you think? I'll let you go first on that. Well, just just in terms of 
someone that's kind of lived through it. I know, you know, whether whatever era we're talking about, the one thing that has been consistent with any type of orthopedic surgeon is that has to be a last resort. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've watched even what happened with Crosby at the end of this summer and all of it, these guys do not want to go under the knife. Okay? You no. try everything that you can to avoid it, which includes therapy, which includes strength and conditioning, all of it. So I get that part that you have to take it to a, a certain finish line. And unfortunately, if that meant August, then it's August. It's big picture stuff here, Justin. Of course, yeah. you're thinking about 20. 21-22 season. I, I get that, but you're also thinking about 2012 or uh, 2029 and 2030. I mean, these guys want to play 10-15 years. It is all about what's best for me sh- short and long term and I get it. I get that they had to wait. I'm I'm not that I'm not that uh concerned that they just they waited too long. Right. Like I'm I'm of the mind too that you exhaust all your options first and uh you know they tried to see if it would just rest would heal it up and after they rested it long enough he tests it and okay now it's starting to flare up and it's getting late in the summer we better take care of this and do surgery I get it. But I do feel Sam to your point like if you knew it was going to be an issue, maybe you hop on the rink a little bit sooner in the summer and, and give it a couple of test runs and see where you're at. And then if it's still concerning at that point, then you say, uh, you know, given the time frame, maybe we have to act earlier. I, I'm, I'm, I see your point, Sam, or your friend's points, but like to, to Kipper's thing, they had to give it rest. They had to give it rest first, and, and I think they ran that of the course. So I can't be too mad at the guy, but it is disappointing for Leafs fans not to start with a healthy club. You know, I, I can see it and hear it now. The same people that have just been preaching that this isn't about October. This is about April, May, and June. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. We don't care what you're doing the regular season. This is all about the playoffs now for the Leafs. Are they the same people that are panicking that he's not there for the first three games? Like, which one is it here? Which one is it? Does it not matter, or is it? Or does it matter? The games they still count them in October, right? The games still count, fellas. Well, sure. Then just don't say you don't care. If you're going to say, "Oh, I'll turn on in April," like you, Sammy, this is you, by the way, being like, "Ah, whatever," you know, show me in the in the postseason. All of a sudden, it's game one, and you're like, "How is he not ready?" (laughs) Well, you just think. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. And I was just going to say, if, if if they do miss by one point to make the playoffs. <laughs> when Adam Brooks scores the OT winner and they didn't have Matthews out there in the game, oh, meltdown well, city. We'll, 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 we'll get into uh, Brooks being lost to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, uh, claimed off of uh, the waiver wire today, one of four guys. Uh, but before we get there, let's have this conversation, guys, on – who is playing behind Tavares? Because yeah. there are some options, including Kerfoot, Kemp, Engvall, Spezza, Amadio now is in the mix. And, you know, I, I threw it out there last week about a conversation about Nylander and Marner having center, like, experience. Yeah. Not necessarily at the NHL level, but certainly they, they've been groomed 
as as center man, where do you see first? Do you see Kerfoot naturally? It just feel like that that is going to be where they go. Um, you know, it's funny how things drop off pretty quick all of a sudden in the absence of an Austin Matthews. You know, they're they're super strength there. Uh, what I do find interesting from a kipper is that it's not, you know, everyone talked about pairs. They, you know, Keith was like you're talking about his pairs and Tavares and Nylander are a pair. The second Matthews is out, well, that's not a pair anymore, is it? Right back to Marner with Tavares. It's like they don't want Marner to have to go out there with anything less than one of the 10 best centers in the NHL. So he'll get the first crack with JT. No question that there's there's some depth there. Uh, and Again, when you when you look at uh, you know, Spezza, uh, for example, but no one believes that he's a, a top six guy anymore. He's probably no. just maxed out his value uh, anywhere between six and twelve, able to chip in with some goals and and just take full advantage of the twelve minutes that he gets. Uh, and and if you factor in camp is a lock in the three position now, and and playing that shutdown role. Then, what what's left? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, you know, I I feel like this whole camp at three C thing is something they're so married to. Like, I haven't seen a proposed Leafs lineup that doesn't include camp at 3C. What is funny is for years we heard how Willie Nylander needed to play with some defensively responsible forwards to play with some guys with some bites, some guys who could forecheck. If you had to play Nylander with camp and bunting, a couple of guys who, you know, don't prioritize scoring, but pretty effective players, I don't hate it. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I just feel like they're stuck with camp on that third line. So, all this all is okay, Kipper, if Kerfoot is playoff Kerfoot. He had a good series against Montreal. He looked like someone who could be useful. If he's that guy, they're okay. If he's the guy he looked like in the season, you know, leading up to the postseason, it's another conversation. As we shape up for puck drop on, on Wednesday, we got one last look at the Toronto Maple Leafs against uh, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, and maybe we'll have a discussion on Ottawa later on in the show and mm-hmm. in terms of what the, we're really going to see out of them. But as far as the Leafs are concerned, I don't think that there's much more than, than Sheldon could ask for out of a training camp. It's just really about puck drop here with the one exception is he does not get out of it without a key injury. And McKayev is out now. First of all, your, your thoughts on just McKayev in general and, and the awkward fall and what this ultimately means to his depth. It's a big blow. It is interesting. Like my thoughts on McKayev have, have changed over the years. Cause I thought he was really effective. Even when he doesn't score goals, he can really help that hockey team. But it got to the point where now he's asking to play in the top six and they're giving him the opportunity. And I don't know if he's useful in that role. So I don't know how huge a loss it is. He felt kind of out of place in the top six. And also this injury thing, do you think it's just random fluke luck or is he one of these guys who gets injured? I, I'm sure you've played with someone Kipper who just, you know, can't stay on the rink. There are guys like that. Yeah, there are no, no question. And sometimes there, there are other guys that are just much smarter and have that, uh, that natural antenna built into their game where they just uh, avoid really putting themselves in, in vulnerable positions. And, you know, if I can recall a few years ago, Sammy, uh, there's a few Leafs in the past. Andropov, do you remember when Andropov first broke in the league, how many times he ended up hurt and then got over a bit of a hump? But 
I, I just look at uh, Mikhailov right now, and selfishly, there's got there couldn't have been anybody happier than Engvall, and yeah. you don't want anybody. And, and you've been down Who that do road, prefer? Justin, right? <laughs> you've been down that road where you're you've got this internal competition, and if there's a couple of people that you think you're up against, you don't mind them seeing seeing them get struggle or or even get hurt. It's just it opens up an opportunity. And I, I looked at Engvall and Mikhailov, and in many ways, guys, I saw them as the same player. Big yeah. bodies, can skate like the wind. They, they've got the ability to, to go out there and create, and yet you still at times want more out of them. And now you, Engvall's got every opportunity, does he not? And he does. Just pick one. The, my whole point watching them prior to Mikhail of getting hurt was they're both the same. I don't need two of them. Just pick one and go with <laughs> yeah. one. Well, what you would love is to take the actual toolkit of Engvall and the drive and daily effort of Mikheyev and just have have it in one player instead of having to pick between talent and effort. It's not that Engvall doesn't try per se, but like mikheyev has got a motor uh, that I think Sheldon Keefe pushes for from Engvall all the time. They just can't find it. You know, it's almost like a battle between do you want the Leafs you've had, the more talented team, or do you want the Leafs that's e- or a type of Leafs team that can play in the playoffs, which you hope is a more effort, uh, you know, more hustle, more a different sort of driven team. So you're right. They're not that different. It's how just about, more to, sort of skill and want. How about, like, would this have been decided if it Engvall versus Mikhailov? And, you know, let, let's bring Anthony Stewart into this, uh, former NHLer and, and Sportsnet hockey analyst, and he might have a pretty good indication of of maybe where this conversation is going. But I'll say, Stewie, between Engvall and Mikhailov, wouldn't it have this been decided a long time ago if one of them just had a bit of a mean streak or just had that, that edge? I think so, and thanks a lot uh, for having me, guys. Congratulations on the new show. I'm listening uh, every single day, but... Uh... Yeah, it just seems that uh, there's a show that they say guys are stuck in, in the in-between, and it just seems guys like Mikheyev and Engvall, they just can't seem to get over the hump, whether it's injuries or inconsistent play. But the frustrating part is both guys have a lot of tools, and they can really, really help this Leafs roster. But I think just the way that this, con- this roster is constructed, they need mid-level guys to really step up. So I think the conversation really needs to be Justin. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Who's the next Kapanen and who's the next Janssen? Who's that guy that can step in with, you know, and, and really outperform their cap it? So they need somebody like that. And I thought a guy like Brooks can be that guy because he showed, you know, some flashes of brilliance and some consistency with, you know, next to nothing. So I'd like to see a, a player like Spezza get an opportunity. I know the analytics say, yeah, you know, he's great at 10 to 11 minutes, but let's see what he can do with some extended uh, time, you know, maybe in the top nine. Did, didn't yeah. we go? Didn't we go through with extended minutes with Thornton, and and that just had a terrible <laughs> ending, Justin? But he did what he needed to do, did he not? And I I would not say necessarily success, but I don't think it was a total failure having Thornton up there because at the end of the day he stabilized that line where 
those guys, the big four, did it, did what they needed to do having him. So I think the question now is when you have Tavares and Nylander and Marner and Matthews and you have unknowns on their flank, if it doesn't click, you know, those guys can struggle. And once they don't start scoring goals or putting up points, the microscope is going to be shifting to those guys. So that's why I'm saying is you need to find it from within. Let's get some of these guys in the top six to really show what they can do. If not, you're going to have these constant Band-Aid solutions. And the teams that are true Stanley Cup contenders, they don't have these Band-Aid solutions. They have staples in their top six. So I think they're depending on top four. But you want to win the playoffs, you want to go two, three rounds, you need the Zach Hymans, you need those depth, those secondary ding, 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 tertiary guys to step up yeah. and do the job if you want to really contend. So, Stewie, I uh, I know that the Leafs are in a position where they have to outperform their cap hits because uh, they're tight against the salary cap. I know this is a thing of yours where you, you'd love to see them trade one of the the big pieces and try to you know shore up the de- depth elsewhere do you think this team can get over the hump win a round win two rounds without breaking up the the core four forwards well i've always had a coach say the games aren't really won on paper but they can be lost on paper and i think this team uh is, is not as good as it was last year on paper there's too many unknowns what if nick ritchie doesn't step up and you know score 20 and 30 and has five fights and really you know turns into a power forward you know we heard about mckayev now who's hurt long term where's kerfoot is he going to be on the wing is he going to be in center is he going to be in the top six so i think there's just too many questions can michael bunting step up and you know continue scoring at the pace that he did last year in arizona so i think there's just too many question marks with a team that's supposed to have these questions answered two years ago. And that was sort of the frustrating part where we've been talking about this group taking the next step in their development for the last two years. So it's really, really tough to say, well, we'll defer to the offseason or to defer to the playoffs. But you can't really get a gauge exactly where this team is until that playoff if they can get past the first round. And I think just with this roster construction, I know the games aren't won on paper, but I think it's going to be a tough, tough job. Speaking of construction, the Leafs' power play got a different look Coming into this preseason, uh, copycat of Tampa Bay, the bumper roll, wh- whatever the case is, uh, we saw Morgan Riley have success on it uh, on Saturday night. Uh, is, is this the sense that this is this is the power play that will will catapult this team back to where they were at the beginning of last season, and that's one of the best. Yeah, I think so. And and the one thing is that people don't really understand with Tampa Bay's power play. It's not necessarily the setup, but it's the compete. It's the puck retrievals. It's the breakout. It's different. all those different elements put together. And then on top of that, you have the talent. And I think with the Tampa Bay uh, power play, they have many weapons. If this if this doesn't happen on this side, well, you know what? Maybe we're going to shoot it for the one timer over to Stamkos there, or maybe we're going to go to the point for the for the bumper. I'm not a big fan of the bumper. You know, I had my most success standing down uh, the pipe of uh, the, down the barrel of big buff slap shots. Some hit me in the teeth, but it would go in the net. Uh, so I, I think they need to get back to those basics when things aren't working. Having a big big shot on the back end too, and we've seen some fra- flashes of brilliance last year with Sandine with that shot. I'd like to see them get some more shooting. But I think for them, it's just more so a competition and a compete when you have loose pucks, getting that puck, getting into retrievals, and really, really competing. And I think that's where they got away from last year. And I think that uh, was some of the you know keys to their, their lack of success. So one thing we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier was uh, Wayne Simmons, your boy Wayne, uh, you know, coming back uh, and helping out Justin Hall, who throws a clean hit. Uh, Sabarin fights him, uh, fights his face into the back of his helmet, basically. And then Simmons steps up and says, 
you know, essentially we, we didn't appreciate that. How did, uh, how did you feel about what Simmons did there and what he's going to provide for you this know, team? Can I, can I just uh, yeah, yeah, cut in, in real quick, in. Stewie, before we get into the, the whole general conversation of, of Simmons jumping in and all that, I want both your opinion and maybe even Sam, you get one from a fan's perspective on this whole thing about players needing to answer the bell off of a hit. And I've got my my thoughts on it, but why don't we start with you, uh, Stewie? Yeah, that's one thing I think is never going to change in the National Hockey League. You do have to answer the bill, uh, bell because, again, there's ways that you can take liberties on a guy and there's ways that you can finish him clean and not take liberties. So I'll, I'll leave that to the judges to decide. But, you know, what I don't like in this situation here is, the you know, the heat maps and the charts are going to come out saying, well, fighting doesn't really change the course of the game or chase, change the course of a team. But we're not talking about the facts here. We're talking about the feeling within the room. And after that fight, just seeing the energy on the bench and we always talk about this, Justin, the club versus the team. When you have moments like this where Simmons steps up and he does and protects a teammate. And this is a guy that's been doing this now after how many years in the league? After 200 games, I'm like, I'm done fighting. And that's why I'm sitting here talking about it. So to really sacrifice yourself where, you know, you were a skilled guy that, you know, put up a lot of power play goals throughout your career. You played that hard-nosed game and you sort of want to coast off into retirement. Playing that hard and making players accountable, that really builds a team. So say what you want about Simmons. You know, he'll do this three, four times a year, but that will really make a difference with this team as opposed to being a club. My, my two cents on it is just, yeah, I mean, I agree with almost all of that. It, the only thing I think is that it's gotten worse that you have to fight after a clean hit. I feel like you used to have to answer the bell if you did something cheap or dirty, but sometimes you'd see a teammate with his head down get drilled and your teammates would go, well, you know, that's not really on, on the guy throwing the hit. I feel like now any big hit results in a fight, and I, I, to me that doesn't make a ton of sense. Sammy? Or you, Kip, or whoever. Listen, I love it. I love a fight after a big hit. Like, I, I am who I am. That's what I like in hockey. Like, I'm not a complete Neanderthal. I'm not completely old school. But, like, Justin Hall shouldn't have to fight Sabrin. Uh, that's not in his weight class. I don't think that's something that he should have to do. And Simmons is a great teammate, stepped in there and fought him and kind of beat the brakes off him pretty good there, too. So I, I, I'm all for that in the game. I, I love that in the game. And I hope, you know, I don't want it to be the stage stuff, but I hope that that element of it always stays in there, boys. Okay, here's my two cents. Whether it's clean or dirty is absolutely irrelevant to me. I don't even want you taking a healthy run at any of my players. And the best example I can give you is Matt, Matt and Ty. And, you know, say what you will about Ty and, you know, all of it, but... This guy knew his job out there, and his job was to make sure that Matt had as much room as he could possibly humanly get. And the one thing that Ty always did every game is he made sure he went down the opposition's bench and told everybody, you don't go near Matt, okay? <laughs> you go near him. No, in fact, he's, he'd go one step further. Don't even look at Matt. <laughs> if I see your eyes even going to Matt, you, I'm all over you, okay? I'm, I'm all over you. You don't even get to look at him. And all that does is make guys think twice about how hard they want to run him because right. you know who's coming down the pike. And that, to me, 
is at the end of the day, if 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 Matt's bought if if Ty bought Matt's ten less hits, twenty less hits a year, thirty less hits a year, that's a good thing. So I watch I watch Sabrin take a run at Justin Hall. And I don't know, was it you, Sam, that said I, I don't want Hall fighting I don't want fight uh Hall fighting Sabrin? Why why would you ever want that? Here's a guy that's gonna be in your top four D and he plays 20 minutes a night. He shouldn't have to fight that guy. Okay? He shouldn't. And yet Sabrin feels like he can go and take a healthy run at him. And then he beats the crap out of Hall. And then he stares down the bench. I don't know if yeah. you guys noticed that. Oh, he I gave did. two long stare downs. He looked down the bench. And he said, who's, go- who's going to stop me? And then he comes out of the penalty box. He starts running sanding. And I'm like, what is going on here? What is going on? This guy's got a credit card right now. And listen, I liked Wayne Simmons coming in. But for me, way too late. I don't know how much time was left on the clock in the third. And that was a message. That was a message for the next game. I get all of that. But I need it earlier. Because I don't want him running Sandine in the back half of this game. And I don't want him thinking he's got a free credit card. That has to be answered first chance. Not in the last 10 minutes of the third period. That's my only beef against Simmons Saturday night. Is you got to go address that right away. And if it's not you, somebody else does. But somebody's got to get in Sabrin's kitchen. ASAP. And it just it sat too long for my liking. Well... I'll I'll tell you about that, Kipper, and I, I think I think it doesn't matter when you cash your check as long as you pay it before the night's over. So kudos to Simmons on that too. But I think it's most part that a lot of people wouldn't take a player like Sabarin seriously, right? Like Hall is thinking, okay, well I'm going to step up and fight. He's not really going to hurt me, but I think Hall has to step up there because he knows if he doesn't do it or he chickens out or he doesn't do it, Sabarin maybe is going to go take a run, a real run at Nylander or Marner or someone else and cause a real big big problem. So back in the day, yeah, you wouldn't want somebody doing that because back then Kipper you know guys can really hurt you if there was a McIntyre or a Bashir doing that they can really really hurt you so now in today's game there's not really many guys left that can really really hurt you so that's why I think more guys were just like okay we're not even taking this guy seriously then when he got two out of hand Simmons says you know what I'm going to step up and deal with it and put an end to it right now yeah, no, it's uh, it, it, do you think that's going to be a part of, or I shouldn't say do you think it is part of his role because it is, how much is that a part of Wayne Simmons' role with the Toronto Maple Leafs and how much is it just being a player who can make the type of pass he made to Nick Ritchie and be on the power play? Where, where are the scales at on his role with the team now? Well, why he signed two years and re-signed is like he's a true Torontonian where he wants this team to have success. And he could have done what anyone else did and gone into the sunset and, and signed somewhere where there's no expectations, no media like a lot of Toronto guys have done in the past. But he's taking it to heart where he wants to see a Stanley Cup there. He wants to put his legacy on the line. Remember, he was top 10 in power play goals for 10 or sorry, top five in 10 years. If they would have won a, 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 a Stanley Cup in Philadelphia, he would have had a statue. That's how much he meant to that team so he will do whatever it takes hit score fight chip in and out of the press box I hope not he'll do whatever it takes because that's how much being a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, means to him so again he you need a couple more Wayne Simmonses in my opinion too but again he'll do whatever it takes uh, for this team to be successful 
Curtis uh, Gabriel comes over, has that reputation. Certainly a guy I don't expect to see in the lineup every night, but what's that number look like? Is it uh, as little as 20? Is it 30, 40? How many games do they need to dress this guy? Yeah, I can understand. If you have some rivalries now, does it get a little bit tough in the division where you have to dress him? But at the same time, it's you have to be able to play. you got to be able to play your 9, 10, 11 minutes too. And we talked about Sabrin. You know, if you're just running around with the, the chicken in your head you know, cut off, you're not really going to find a dance partner. So I think he's just more to keep the other team accountable. And so I could see him playing probably, you know, 20, maybe 15, uh, 20 games max. You guys okay with... Uh... Brooks lost to the Montreal Canadiens. Is that just another shot from the Montreal Canadiens organization on the Leafs here? Could he not get picked up by anybody else except Montreal? <laughs> I was a big fan of his game, and I actually did a couple segments on him where people are like, are you, what are you talking about? But he, you know, it's the toughest thing to be able to to try to do something with seven, eight minutes a night. And I, my main goal was, you know, I used to have coaches pull me aside, just don't be minus. So if I was not a minus, that would be considered a good game. And I finished one season with zero goals, zero assists, zero PIMS, and I was zero plus minus. And they're like, oh, great job. But realistically, <laughs> I didn't do anything out there. So... Uh, I, I think with Brooks, you know, he scored some big goals. He made, he can make plays, and he wasn't afraid to make plays. And I think now with uh, today's league, you got to be able to have four lines that can play heavy, but that can make plays. You can't just have your bottom three out there just chipping and chasing, doing nothing, and killing the clock as the uh, the top six get a blow. So uh, I think it's a big, big loss. But this is the continued problem for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Their mid-level prospect guys aren't getting opportunity. There's no real. Um, pipeline to the top six or success and I'm surprised and Justin we'll, we'll have this debate to, uh, later what happened to Nick Robertson what happened when he didn't know, go to man. world juniors camps and you had Cole Caulfield who he was ahead of within development to get past and now he's still stuck in the minors how was that not a bigger story who is going to fill in this pipeline now long term in the on the left side here what's going on now you know you're going to be keeping bringing in these guys at 900 1 million Eventually, you have to have the next wave of prospects step in and be the future of this organization because this window's not going to be open forever. You at least got to sell wins or you got to sell the future, and Toronto's stuck in that uh, in-between. Yeah, the Robertson thing is a good point. It's uh, He wasn't even close from the looks of things. What I saw in camp didn't really move the needle. A uh, Last one for me, Stewie. Um, just seeing the pairs today, the D pairs, Dermot, out of the lineup. Like he, he's the seventh guy right now. Are you a Dermot guy? What does he need to do to play? Yeah. I, I just man, he's been around. He's not getting. You much know, better. I'm a Dermot guy, and, and yeah. again, I I go back to my 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 years as a player. I scored seven points in in Florida one year. I was in another lineup. I sat for 25 games. I get yelled at every day at the coach. I went to Atlanta the next year. And I had a coach tell me, pull me aside and say, whatever player you are in your mind, be that player. Play within the confines of the system. But when you go out there, be who you want to be. And I'm telling you, a weight was lifted off my shoulders where I had 39, 40 points that year. I was playing second line minutes. So I think it's that constant, you know, jerk, jerking back and forth in and out of the lineup. Uh, not really playing, you know, he's playing 11 minutes. Give this guy 17 minutes a night. Put him on the penalty kill. Throw him a bone maybe on a second unit here and there. Leave him for 15, 20 games because you're talking about being a playoff contender. Let him show what he can do because he's one of those guys. He's going to be a player. Once he's gone, you're going to miss you're going to miss a Travis Dermott. You're going to say, well, what happened? What happened in Toronto? It's because you didn't really give him a real 
opportunity. See what happened when they gave Justin Hall one. He sat for all those games, and now he's proved that he's a valuable NHL defender. I think Dermott's the same way. Anthony Stewart, former NHLer and Sportsnet hockey analyst. His Twitter handle is at Stu Monroe. Thanks for doing this, Stewie. Thanks a lot. Go Leafs, go. Thanks, Stu. All right. We're going to take a quick break, Justin, but I want to pick up that uh, Travis Dermott uh, conversation that uh, you and uh, Anthony started here and, and where he fits in, five, six, seventh defenseman, Timothy Lilligren. Where Where is this going on the blue line? For Dermot. Uh, we're going to pick that up. We got Gord Stellick, Hockey Insider, host of Leaf Nation on the Fan 590 and Sportsnet. Stellectricity will be coming up. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.